In the Australian outback, a fiendish killer hides a venomous spider in a tin of Vegemite. A hungry Aussie looking for a savory bite becomes a savory bite instead. As their life hops away, they scrape a strange symbol into a nearby dune. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No. It's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest or two. Today's case, Detective Academy Q, episodes 44 and 45, Don Morihiko Kidnapped. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and I typically make a joke here, but we do not have time today because this is it. We started recording the podcast about six months ago. We've been doing mostly Detective Academy Q, and now 26 episodes later, we are finishing this anime forever. We're going to reveal all of the secrets, so if you wanted to watch it or to catch up or something, now is the chance, but I think you'll also be able to listen to the episode if you haven't been watching along or listening along. Um, You will also have a lot of fun with us today but you've been warned that there are secrets that are going to be revealed today. Joining me is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky, so qualified because he is resident here where we live, and he has seen a lot of anime. Um, And Michael, you are soon going to be able to add Detective Academy Q to the finished list of your anime. How does that feel? Uh, Unfinished, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Not exactly satisfying. Not quite. You ordered an entree and it came on a small plate. Yeah, I got tapas instead of uh, a steak. I don't know. <laughs> you didn't read the Yelp reviews before mm. you went to the restaurant, so you didn't you didn't know about the portion size. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, Mike, what have you got for us today? Well, nothing cultural happened, so I can't talk about anything fun and cultural without pulling it out of thin air. So I thought I'd talk about what happens when the manga, or when the anime, catches up to the manga. And I think uh, that's the universe we're living in with Detective Academy Q. Basically, this is an adaption of a manga, but it's taken a lot of liberties, as uh, a lot of anime do. Oh, what is it? Kintoki, a sort of jokey anime, did a really fun segment about, like, well, do they make up characters and do their own ending, like Fullmetal Alchemist did? Or do they pause and promise to make more seasons later, like uh, Inuyasha did? Uh, I think we fell in the middle of those two. Uh, So we'll talk about that in a bit more in a bit. Right. So basically what usually happens is there's some amount of the manga out there, but not all of it. So they start making the show going pretty closely to what has been published. Mm -hmm. But then the manga is published like one chapter a week, which is pretty slow. It's, It's like what happened with Game of Thrones. Right. I'm led to believe. (laughs) Yeah, neither of us watch it. So uh, maybe. It's maybe like that. (laughs) But I I didn't bother to look at it before. But yeah, Detective Academy Q, the anime ended in 2004 and the manga ended in 2005. So unless there were some time travelers on the staff, that's the situation we're in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we really do have uh, an action packed, really exciting (laughs) series of, of episodes to talk about along with our two mystery guests who are uh, some of the most experienced people in the entire world when it comes to going in and watching media with little context for what's going on. Um, So let me tell you about our exciting guest today. 
Our mystery guests this episode are co-hosts of the YouTube series Alexis and Nate Don't Know, pretty big hint about who they might be. She is a comedic performer doing a combination of improv, sketch comedy, clown, and puppetry. He is a comedian slash filmmaker slash librarian based in Chicago. And one time they solved the mystery of the salad dressing dressing. I've cracked the case. It's Alexis Howland and Nate Biagiati. Hi. Ciao. Ciao, Bella. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> I, maybe I said your name a little too Italian. <laughs> Set the tone. That's Nate's favorite character to do, though. <laughs> Vaguely European man. Yes, that is correct. The Italian um, narrating his own journal. Oh, just like uh, Da Vinci. Just like a Da Vinci. I've watched the cartoon. I do not know what will happen. <laughs> the hair is a crazy. Why the hair is so crazy? So your YouTube series is called Alexis and Nate Don't Know, and you have like 17-ish episodes up there on YouTube. Something like that, yeah. What's the deal? What goes on there? <laughs> right, well, so the the premise, I think, was actually proposed by Nate, which is that he felt like both of us had gaps in our popular media knowledge. Like, we had common overlaps in sort of not knowing certain TV shows. Uh, so we decided, a la the pandemic, that we would spend some time together reviewing some of these series that have been, you know, popular in the zeitgeist, but we know nothing about. Which turns out is most things. <laughs> I thought maybe, well, it started during the pandemic, so I thought maybe we'd have four or five episodes. I just started editing episode 19. Um, so not only is the pandemic unending, our ignorance also has no end. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how do you find all this stuff that you decide? How do you choose what to watch next? We have a living document where we put ideas. Um, we also have some rules, which can be broken whenever they need to be broken. I mean, so the first rule is it should be something neither of us have seen, which has been broken multiple times. <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> Already. We try to avoid comedies just because we're not necessarily trying to like make fun of the show, but that's where our conversation is likely to go. And I think if we're layering, layering comedy on top of comedy, it's just, it's not going to go well. So we like shows that are taking themselves seriously. What are some of the other rules, Nate? Um, no cops. Right. We don't want to watch shows that are about the military industrial complex, which is very, very difficult. Most American television is about the police in some way. And lucky us, we've been invited on a podcast about kid cops in Japan. Well, fortunately for you guys, the police were maybe not in all the places that they potentially should have been in these episodes. So <laughs> This genre has a weird relationship to the police, and this show especially does. But yeah, when you think of uh, mystery procedural television in the U.S., it's a lot of NCIS, CSI, Law & Order centered around police solving mysteries and it's like where's the murder she wrote that was one of our best episodes everyone should go check that out on youtube <laughs> setting you up one by one to knock these out of the park these uh plugs is that sports is that a sports reference i don't understand Did, i think you said teeing up which is like a golf thing <laughs> <laughs> did i say teeing up maybe i said teeing yeah but then you said knocking out of the park which is a baseball thing Unless you're talking about professional t-ball, in which case both metaphors work perfectly. 
professional t-ball is a great reference point because it's like these kids solving mysteries it's like kids playing baseball (laughs) so in terms of you not knowing anything about this show before going in it's an anime so how familiar are you with anime in general well i previously have seen some anime but very little and a long time ago end of high school beginning of college i watched all of cowboy bebop including the movie and i watched a decent amount of ghost in the shell but not all of it but i did see the ghost in the shell animated movie in that era you were probably watching ghost in the shell standalone complex Mm -hmm. yeah Uh uh-huh that's it (laughs) sounds right (laughs) as a young person i was interested in the idea of anime around like 13, 14, but didn't really have access to it. At that time, I was living in rural Idaho. So, you know, the blockbuster didn't really have a lot of stuff like that. But I did have a, a book called The Anime Encyclopedia, which I read cover to cover and never saw anything covered in it. <laughs> and I had a VHS tape of Vampire Hunter D that I tricked my grandmother into buying for me because Vampire Hunter D is not for children. And I think those are my first cartoon titties. Mm. And they wouldn't be the last, it sounds like, <laughs> from the way you said it. <laughs> well, I work at a public library, so the patrons are always looking at crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alexis, you mentioned Ghost in the Shell and Cowboy Bebop. And I feel like for your YouTube show, those would be like great candidates if you hadn't seen them. They would be much better candidates than Detective Academy Q because they're like very popular kind of... People might know what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, Cowboy Bebop. I mean, this was, again, like more than 10 years ago that I watched these. So Cowboy Bebop, they're bounty hunters. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't violate the no cops thing. And then Ghost in the Shell, they are cops, right? They're super cops. Yeah. Oh, they are cops. (laughs) I will say Ghost in the Shell, when I would watch it, you know, it has, it's exploring some really serious philosophical concepts like about existence and who's considered a person or not a person right um Mm -hmm. and i would watch those and be like wow i'm having some profound reflections on my life when i (laughs) they were they're good they were provocative i would say did they have cartoon titties yeah yep that sounds pretty provocative to me I'm curious what kind of profound um, thoughts you might have had watching this this show to prepare for today. Luckily, I have raw video footage of all the profound thoughts that we had <laughs> while we were watching this. Okay, so we talked about anime. We've we've been the cat. You know, you know that thing cats do with people's legs. Bite them. Swat at no, them. No, like 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 rub up, like walk past them and kind of rub up past them. Oh right, they're like brush through them, putting their scent on you. Yeah, declare that your their ownership with their stink. Yeah, that's what we've been doing in uh, relation to mystery content because we've been brushing past it, but not <laughs> but not focusing on it. So uh, direct that that's the other part here. How much do you like mysteries? And there's a lot out there. There's detective fiction, true crime podcasts dinner parties, Nancy Drew, any of that in your shed? No. I would I would say yes. I'm not a super fan. You're going to find a bunch of people who know more than I do, but I enjoy thrillers. I enjoy reading mysteries. 
I used to live in Brooklyn, and I, for whatever reason in my neighborhood, people would put Agatha Christie novels out on the sidewalk regularly, and that's like I would pick them up and read them, and then put them <laughs> back outside. That was bed bugs, Alexis. They were giving you bed <laughs> you know, bugs. As soon as I found out about bed bugs, I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Because the one thing we know about bed bugs is that they love Agatha Christie novels. <laughs> well, there's a lot of beds in Agatha Christie novels, probably. <laughs> De- definitely a lot of upholstered surfaces, you know, mm-hmm. train seats and such. Oh, yeah. Imagine trying to, like, get rid of bed bugs in, like, a 19th century country English manner where every chair is like a throne. <laughs> Yeah, well, we have that. We have that saying from where's that little rhyme is from? Must be from the 1600s or something. Sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite. They just lived with them. They just accepted it. Right. They were codependent on each other. The bed bugs got to eat the blood, and um, the Victorian era people got to feel itchy, which is the only feeling they ever got to have. Nate makes really good jokes a lot of the time. I'm like, what do I know about Victorian people? And I was going to make a joke about all of them like pow- using powdery makeup, but I'm like, I don't think that's Victorian people. That was bedbugs. Those were crushed bedbugs. <laughs> oh, okay. Ugh. England's, England's economy based on bedbugs. Little known that's fact. That's the best kind of bedbugs is crushed bedbugs. Are you not watching The Crown? No, no, I'm not watching The Crown. Gillian Anderson plays the ultimate bedbug. <laughs> <laughs> Queen Elizabeth? No, she's too young. Margaret Thatcher. Ugh. The Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's Iron Maiden. Was that Maiden. not a for Margaret Thatcher? <laughs> the Iron Lady is what they called Margaret Thatcher. The Iron Maiden is a torture device. <laughs> Invented by Margaret Thatcher, and that's how she got the name. Iron Maiden is a heavy metal band. Oh, right. <laughs> Leave it to the single heterosexual here to know that. <laughs> <laughs> I approximately knew that. So, Alexis, you've seen Ghost in the Shell. Michael, d- p- for the purpose of me phrasing this question, is Ghost in the Shell a detective anime? Uh, A little bit. So that's kind of a detective anime. But apart from that, apart from these two episodes of Detective Academy Q, has either of you seen detective slash mystery anime before? No. And is this, this is considered an exemplary version of detective anime no (laughs) yes yes and no i don't want to get ahead of myself but there's one clue per episode (laughs) part of it is because this is the series wrap-up so they're doing more like of a thriller i would say other episodes of this i would be like yeah this gives you a sense of what this i think this genre is about but these two episodes no and the show is kind of a hit or hit and a miss but we have we have got to start talking about this beast because no one has fed it. So for the very last time, more or less, Michael, can you remind us what is Detective Academy Q? Yep. Detective Academy Q are the adventures of a group of middle schoolers attending DDS, the Don Detective School, where they're learning to be detectives under Don Morihiko, the school headmaster. Uh, and essentially, they're trying to uh, su- succeed him as the lead investigator assisting the Japanese police. And they're bumping heads against Pluto, a diabolical organization that plans perfect murders and sells them p- to people for half of their uh, lives' assets. Yeah, that didn't come up in these two episodes. Nope. <laughs> You've clarified so much. 
and then before we get to the episode proper, the very first thing you see when you when you fire up the videos is the opening song. How how'd that song vibe for you two? <laughs> it was long. <laughs> Minute thirty. It was a long opening song. The math doesn't add up. <laughs> the math in the lyrics to the song. There, I I made some notes. They're smiling a hundred percent. They're striking a hundred percent. They're also a hundred percent pure. And there's another hundred percent thing. I've made a typo, so I'm not sure what it was. But that's four hundred percent. That's too, <laughs> that's too much percent. To be fair, there's four of them in the group, so it could Five. just be each of them. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, we've been doing this for six months. There were like approximately twenty children in that episode. <laughs> oh no 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 the uh, the 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 group that sung the song is what I'm talking about. There's four singers in that. Oh okay. Is is the group famous? Yeah, it was Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden did the song. <laughs> They're a group of magazine models called the Peepo Angels that were put together to sing anime music? I don't know. They sang like four songs and disappeared off the face of the earth. So Yeah, that's a mystery that's that we have yet to solve. <laughs> they maybe continued to appear in, in magazines. I don't know. More mysterious than anything we're encountering in these episodes, um, which I think there were one or two things I really liked that happened. And then overall, I was very frustrated. And like you two have touched on, <laughs> Like almost every character who has appeared on the show before comes back for these two episodes, with the exception of the forensics teacher, Maki, who is just absent for some reason. <laughs> they didn't write him in. So, you know, as characters come up, we can kind of chat about them, but we won't, ta- we, won't, we won't necessarily get to talk about all of them. Who knows? What are like some big memorable things that happened that, st- that stood out to people? Um, definitely the Fast and the Furious moment with the car racing down the dock and then there just happens to be one of those semi trucks that loads vehicles so it has a ramp and they drive off the ramp and fly onto the ship and i actually saw fast and furious 8 (laughs) which is another example of me really jumping into a series like right in the middle (laughs) (laughs) and they have a scene in that movie where there's a car chase or whatever and a car um is in a tower and then it in Dubai it's in a tower in Dubai and they steal this car and they like drive it through the glass window they're 40 floors up and they like crash it into another building and that's what this reminded me of <laughs> well this is the famous Tokyo Drift this is it <laughs> so let's let's talk about these vans because they Don Morhiko ends up being kidnapped and they're trying to find him and chase him down. So they load up like every kid in this school. This series is has been like classically good at like hand-waving child endangerment by being like, but we hid one of the, the adult detectives in a costume and they're nearby in case something bad happens. This time they're just like, load up all the kids in two minivans and do everything dangerous as much as possible. I loved that they were minivans. <laughs> I actually, one of the notes that I wrote down is none of the kids are wearing seat belts. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a great scene where they're trying to talk about um, who is the spy in their midst. Mm-hmm. And they're driving in the car. The five of main characters are driving in the car with one of the teachers. And Ryu and Q are sitting in the middle seats. And they turn around to talk to the three people in the back. And I had like distinct road trip vibes mm. of like all the kids in the car talking on a road trip. 
Mm-hmm. Well, when I was young, the best uh, vehicle to end up in was a station wagon where you had the two seats that faced backwards. Well, they were talking about there's a spy in our midst. Yeah. And of course, the driver could hear this. Yeah, like really obviously he could hear him. He was like, well, since you're talking about that, and they're like, wait, you can hear us? And it's like, you're in a minivan. You're not even talking particularly quietly. Of course he can hear you. So there's that scene in the car. So a lot of big action moments throughout these two episodes. I would say more in the second episode. It's true. Well, the first episode has the kidnapping. Oh, yeah, true. Oh, you're right. Yes. The first episode is definitely more in line with what happens in this show. Often it's a murder mystery, but they've also done kind of these like thriller plots. So they had one where it was like a bomb threat where they were running around trying to stop it. And it felt a lot like that, that first episode. Mm-hmm. Let's rewind. I have a question about the very first scene. Katagiri, who is the assistant to Don, the head of the school, is wheeling him out to visit a grave of a person. And the gravestone is written in English. Mm-hmm. Is that, Why is that? Don't know. Maybe they all are in Japan. I don't know. I don't think they are, but it was like Western style. So maybe it was a Christian cemetery. I don't know. Oh, maybe. The fact that he even had a gravestone might be unusual. Oh, yeah, I guess so. So I guess it was definitely like a Christian style cemetery. They did that so that we could look at the name on the tombstone for sure. And it's surprise, not surprise, a dude with the same last name as Q. So yeah, this is this is the thing I don't know that Mike and I can communicate about this episode when they reveal they reveal the secret of the detective who saved q as a child it was q's father which makes no sense it doesn't explain why he doesn't know who his dad is how his father died why we're keeping it secret how nobody realized it how q didn't realize it even though the notebook that he kept from his father all this time had his own last name on it also he keeps referring to his father as like the old man like, he didn't ever call him dad or anything? Well, he, he kept calling him Oji-san, which is technically Japanese for uncle, but it's something that a kid might call an older person that they don't know particularly well and whose name they don't know. So he didn't know this person somehow. <laughs> but we never find out why. <laughs> These are the things we knew before this episode. We knew that Q's father like died or disappeared when he was young and that he didn't really know his father. We knew that Q was saved as a child by a detective when he was kidnapped and that's it so in this episode we learned that the detective who saved him was his father who had a secret wedding to his mother the the hot apron lady oh yeah hot mom yeah (laughs) does she always wear the apron that says hot about 80 percent of the time yeah and also no name still no name series over no name (laughs) maybe that's her name her name is hot that's what we call her hot mom But the the the, the post credit scene of the first episode is the two of them getting married, and he's like, I'm so sorry that we had to do this in secret. But why? We never find out why. No explanation why. Or how Q did not know this man was his father. Or why it had to be secret. Also, an additional little quirk uh, that I caught is that the gravestone said Renjo Satoru. Uh, Renjo being Q's last name, so it's their, it's their family name and the surnames or the fami- familiar name Satoru. But then the notebook said Renjo Akatsuki. No, but something like that. Something like that, yeah. It was the same person. So it was using like a fake name, but a really bad fake name because it was still his own last name. I don't know. We'll never find out. I don't know. The other thing, the other thing that happens at the very beginning of the episode is is Q and Ryu has been staying at Q's house. More background. <laughs> We assumed they live, it was a boarding school. Yeah. That they all live together at 
Don Academy. No, the the actual truth is that Ryu's family is an evil organization uh, who mistreats him. So he has recently moved in with Q and his mom. Oh, they were at Q's. Oh, okay. I wrote Ryu purple hair, Caillou Adidas hair. That's... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's Ryu and Q. Their names uh, rhyme, all fun like. And Q like the uh, like the title of the show, right? Oh my goodness! I found okay. So I when I f- watched it the first time, I had a certain interpretation of those first events, which were totally <laughs> wrong. Like, did you think they were boyfriends? No, 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 <laughs> no. Before that, like with the with um Don Sensei when he's at the grave. Oh, and yeah. then it goes to the flashback. And so I assumed that he was the guy in the flashback. You know, mm. may, may, someone who's been watching the series would understand that that was not the case. I was oblivious to the fact that this was a separate person, like a th- another character. The previous opening showed us like what young Don looked like. But we've never, the the detective who's Q's father, I think when he shows up in that flashback at the start of episode 44 is the first time we've seen that character. Right. Well, we saw it on the photo like very recently. Right. We've, we've seen him on the photo. But in the earlier episodes, we also wondered if the person who saved Q could have been Don. Because it was clearly like something that they wanted us to wonder about. And they introduced it in episode one or episode two. And this is now episodes 44 and 45. And they're answering that question. Mm, kind of. They're attempting to answer that question. So Don early on gets kidnapped. Uh, it's a whole thing that's staged where they like run him off the road and tase him and drag him out of there while mm-hmm. Katagiri is dr- driving. There's a fun little breakfast that Ryu and Q are having <laughs> where mom like tries to teach them about trust. Mm-hmm. But a little bit she's like, oh, you two are in love. I have a note. I wrote awkward conversation about friendship. <laughs> <laughs> the show is trying to say something about friendship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. friendship not to be confused with the dd sunshine which is a ship Aye. but i loved their breakfast is interrupted by the phone ringing we know that don has just been kidnapped and it says dds on like the caller id yeah in such big letters that it takes up the whole caller id so i'm like does the caller id normally only show three letters and of course the first thing you do when the headmaster of your school is kidnapped is you call into the office 11 students and three teachers and tell them all what's going on. (laughs) This is like a Montessori school, maybe, where you (laughs) practical learning. All right. So can you clarify? There's there's an A team and a Q team. And the Q team are our protagonists for the entire series? Yes. Yes. Okay. And the A team are a little bit older and better? So the the previous classifications at the school was that there were three classes, the A class, the B class, and the C class, with the understanding that C class was like the mediocre kids, B was better, A was the best. Then these kids rolled in and Don was like, you're Q, you're class Q. And they were like, are we like the dunces? And apparently it means they were the best ones. Who knew? Q is for qualified. <laughs> As in they are qualified to succeed him. Yeah, to take over for him. Is this like an Animal Crossing when I get a score of S on my house decor? <laughs> yeah, they're like the S, but it's Q. What a really harsh thing to do to children. Like, <laughs> if you're on the C team. I'm, I'm actually glad we're talking about that because my imp- one of the things I thought that towards the very end of this was like, they had A and Q classes doing this whole thing. Imagine being like C class and B class and coming to school on Monday and being like, what the fuck happened? What did we miss? <laughs> There are also more teachers at the school, but like they only included the characters they wanted to be present. 
Honestly, I'm I'm glad that they did not include more characters. <laughs> because there were already too many characters in like a 20 minute show so many characters and while they're all in the room together they get a, a demand the demands from the kidnappers they want a billion yen in an hour which is which is not really enough time and they're like turn on the tv and when they turn on the tv it's already programmed to show them <laughs> don being tied to a chair with a bomb strapped to his chest also uh just a quick note for everyone a billion yen is about a hundred million dollars which is a normal amount of money for a high school to have access to. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have a cruise liner, which they just lose. That blows up. Spoilers. <laughs> How much the did that DD cost? The DD Sunshine belongs to them? To DDS, yeah. Oh. <laughs> which is like, how come the villains had the ship? I uh, Not really explained. They just took him there. Oh, I did not understand that the school owned that ship. Well, it was pretty easily taken from them, so they didn't... They didn't have strong ownership over it, I guess. And I don't know. We can set aside maybe five minutes for this next topic of discussion, which is the the guy who calls for the ransom, his mustache. Oh, Wolverine. Oh, Dr. Eggman. <laughs> <laughs> I just called him daddy. Is that okay? But he what, he had such like a, oh, it's a dumb, dumb Dugan mustache, really. Mm, but with like a full beard. Wait, what did you just say? Dum Dum Dugan. Dugan. Who's that? Captain America supporting character played by um, a guy in the Captain America First Avenger movie. <laughs> that famous actor. I don't know anything about superheroes. I don't know it. He had a big mustache. That's all that. That's the whole thing. If neither of you has seen any of the like Avengers movies, you could totally not know anything about the the two uh, Infinity War and Endgame, except they're both like three hours long. So I don't know if you <laughs> want to mess with that. That Nate, that would take us six hours to record. <laughs> oh my goodness! And it would ne- it would get taken down in ten minutes because Disney owns it. Mm-hmm. True, true. It wouldn't be worth it. So we're never going to watch an Avengers movie. Moving on. <laughs> All right, I guess that's it for the mustache. <laughs> they aren't able to trace the call. Cosma is an elementary schooler who's really good with computers. She's the one who looks like me in middle school. Cosma is a young boy. He. <laughs> <laughs> he has a K on his sweatshirt. That's what I looked like in middle school. Like this child, this child who I I have misgendered. I apologize. I don't know. Do you know if the the voice actor is probably a woman? I I haven't. I don't. I looked it up a long time ago. Young boy anime characters are yeah. Q's voice act actor is definitely a female. So we discussed in one of the Alexis and Nate don't know episodes, the one where we watched Gumby, how many animated characters are voiced by women. Mm-hmm. Gumby was voiced by a woman. Bart Simpson, Babe the Pig. Until Bob's Burgers came along. One of my favorite examples of anime is Goku from Dragon Ball because he's been voiced by the same voice actor for a long time. And she's now like 85 or something like that. And she doesn't sound like anything but her. And it's like, it's it's just an off the wall voice. Like if you really look at it for this like muscle man blowing up planets casually to have but it's what he sounds like and it's what he'll sound like until they stop making it or she dies i like that about adventure time which is not a japanese product but that character has also aged along with the voice actor who plays him like as he went through puberty i think that's it's it's neat so these events we already kind of knew there was a traitor in the school but someone is tipping off the kidnappers to what is going on in the school and that's why they're talking about who is a spy in their midst so they race in their 
vans. Like, again, this is just, like, the kids from the school running around (laughs) trying to the warehouse. They haven't called, like, any authorities or anyone. They're going to go directly to the the signal where um, Don has sent a signal. And when they get there, they're all gone. But there's a, a chair tied to the ceiling with a bomb on it. Wasn't it a wheelchair? Yeah, it was Don's wheelchair, yeah. But they provided him with a wheelchair on the DD Sunrise? I guess they did provide him with a wheelchair because they definitely wheeled him into that room, yeah. That's probably because Japan has a better healthcare system than we do. (laughs) It's probably universal healthcare, so he was just able to go get another wheelchair. They literally stole his cruise liner, so I guess he maybe had a spare on board. Wait, hold on, though. Did we... I feel like maybe I'm remembering wrong, but didn't they do the money drop before they went to the warehouse? There there's another warehouses. warehouse. Yeah. Oh, there's two. There's so many warehouses. <laughs> I watched it first and then Mike watched it and I looked over and they were entering a warehouse and it was like five minutes into the episode. And I'm like, but that's the end of the episode. But no, it's, it's a lot of very same looking warehouses. The background artists had been fired at that point. They were like, the show is over. We're not getting renewed. Oh, maybe that's why they did the ending on the boat because they'd drawn it before. Right. Okay. Right, but when they get back, they're like, okay, we didn't find him. They now get a new demand to put one billion, the one billion yen in this specific d- dumpster by this specific parking lot. And they have decided to acquiesce to the demands. Mm-hmm. Except that they very cleverly hide in plain sight behind some planters. Like, Their yeah. hair is so techniques. spiky. They've all got anime <laughs> heart. We can see you behind there. <laughs> a truck pulls up and they're all like, wait, the truck is blocking the view. We can't see it anymore. And it's like, Hello. <laughs> like, stop the truck. Go block it. That's the guys. <laughs> um, and when the truck pulls away, the dumpster's gone. Mm-hmm. And Class A gets into a car to go trace after the truck, but Class Q does not go. Mm-hmm. I would say this was the scene where it totally unraveled for me as a mystery um, because it was so obvious and not sophisticated what had happened. There was no mystery. I mean, even the spoiler it was a decoy but even it was so clear then they resolved it so quickly and that that for me was the only thing that was like a mystery in the whole the whole show and it and it was it was um not elegant (laughs) yeah it was the closest thing to their like formulaic mystery solving uh bit and it was definitely not like a big mystery they walk up to this embankment and there's like just a streak of dead grass as wide (laughs) as the dumpster and it's like hmm hmm wait guys look at like come on and only five (laughs) minutes later does q like walk over to the edge and look down below where there's something dumpster shaped that's covered with a tarp (laughs) yeah not the not the most uh thrilling mystery what are they teaching these kids at detective school because they should do a better job they still treat it structurally like a exciting mystery it's like oh we'll do black and white flashbacks for three minutes as we walk through the steps of figuring out who pushed the dumpster down the hill (laughs) <laughs> it's also like Q does his like typical two hints and he's like it's the blind spot over the hill and the whole box is gone it's like no the hint is that the grass has been <laughs> smashed in the shape of the dumpster all the way down to the bottom of the hill like that's the hint <laughs> also the truck had a secret door on the side of it because the truck pulled up it's like you know a semi truck with its side to the dumpster and they would have seen if someone had loaded the, the dumpster in the back of the truck did the whole side of the tr- of this semi truck just unfold? Well, that's just proving that the A class is not really the A class because they just followed the truck. They weren't using their detective logic. I was incensed though 
the part that Nate just mentioned where they recapped that whole part of the show. I was like angry that they made us watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Anime and particularly detective anime may not be for you because there is a lot of (laughs) a lot of retreading. It's not necessarily quite so like up against the moment where it just happened usually, but there's a lot of that. Yeah. But basically, yeah. So the two minions of super mustache hid under a tarp they grabbed the thing they took the money and they fled separately in a boat that's the whole thing so they follow them to warehouse number two where we have a big showdown right i love this because when he's explaining like how they caught them he's like we watched them get into a boat and then we watched them get into a car and then we followed the car and it's like really you followed the boat you followed the (laughs) <laughs> Wouldn't it have been easy just to catch them before they came out from under well, the tarp? They wanted to follow them to Don, fairly enough. Oh, right. True. Which is the first thing I do when I have a billion dollars in cash, is I return to the scene of the crime. And the two guys think they're going to get out, the three guys think they're going to get out with the money, but when they come out, this is like the one time with a significant police presence because it is surrounded now by the police. My favorite w- thing about the way this scene was drawn is we had like a line of police with shields, and then very specifically not behind those shields was just the kids. Just stand and be like, we got you. <laughs> they they really are no help. There is a brief moment where Kinta interacts with the character that we know, but you wouldn't know is his father, who's the com- the police commissioner, uh, who has only appeared in one other episode. Oh, where he like pats him on the back or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. They played up their, their estrangement like there was a story behind it, which we also get no satisfaction on because this is where they interact and it's mostly fine. Okay. And then, so they put them all in handcuffs. Could maybe Nate or Alexis explain to me what happens next? (laughs) Right. So it seems like they have previously been hypnotized. And when the handcuffs go on, it's like they, uh, an alarm has gone off or a switch has flipped, right? And now their self-destruct program has been activated. And they, do they, they don't even like take a cyanide pill or anything, right? They just kind of... Like they just sort of spit Start up the drooling. blood. Yeah, they die. Well, so they did the they did the thing that's like a dramatic inverse of the screen. And what my interpretation was that maybe they bit their tongues off, but they didn't quite go into it. And I think whatever they decided it was was just better off being vague. They very much implied that the three of them died as a result of hypnosis, which just doesn't make any sense. But I figured, yeah, they either bit their tongues off or they had cyanide teeth. We don't really find out. It's just a moment they go Ugh, and they're all dead. <laughs> I am shocked to hear that they were dead. I thought maybe they were just asleep. <laughs> just like Don earlier in the episode. Yeah. I, I hadn't. I like that about biting their tongues off because maybe the intention was just that they wouldn't spill any secrets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a funny thing because this has happened maybe five or six times throughout the show when they've been dealing with Pluto and they catch someone. Pluto will trigger a hypnotic suggestion and someone will either like try to kill themselves or try to kill someone else. And every time they act like it's the first time this, this has happened. <laughs> so this is another thing that I feel like is silly because they go to look for Don in this warehouse and they look for him the same way they looked for Ryu, like two episodes a few episodes ago which is they all split up and just call out his name and wander around aimlessly (laughs) sorry there's so many i i can't keep the plot straight of what happened (laughs) but so those three people die and then pluto never gets the money 
They didn't want the money. They didn't want the money. Was Pluto involved in any of these two episodes at all? So we saw in the previous episode, Don, one of the, uh, Sir Anubis, one of the members of Pluto, called up Mustache Guy and he was like, I need you to shake things up at DDS and, and ask them for this amount of money. And he was like, that, that amount of money? So they did this right. at the order of Pluto, but the money was for them. Like they were doing their own thing. They like hired, yeah, they hired these people to kidnap Don and then they kidnapped him from the people. And took him onto the ship. So everybody on the ship in the second episode is all Pluto people. Okay. We get this little scene at the end where Sir Anubis, the uh, the creepy guy who does hypnosis, talks to uh, Miss Yurie, the nondescript female who inflicts violence upon people. And they're clearly, they're, they're now deviating from the original plan that was planned by the leader. So that, that they kind of hint at that. Like, this will be for the best. This will be for you. So taking Don was probably not part of the original plan. Uh taking him from the kidnappers. But I have another qualm here, which is they they don't find him in the warehouse, but they do find a note he left them. So he wrote it on the back of the photograph and hid it underneath the fabric of the chair while being tied to it. The bedbugs helped him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> bedbugs are foundational to mystery stories. <laughs> yeah, it's real and clear how he got that photo inside the upholstery with a hint on it. Well, another thing that's really important to understand about bedbugs is that every bedbug is a member of the Freemasons. Which, for people listening, you will quickly understand why that's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because the, the note is left in a Freemason code. Okay, so we're now ending. Everything we've talked about is in the first episode, so it kind of covers this kidnapping plot. He's still kidnapped in the second episode. So the episode 45 is called The Future Detectives. And it starts with Cosmo solving the code. They tell us it's the Freemason code, which is, is is similar to the Pigpen code. But I think the code they actually showed us is more of um, like a cell phone code, like how the letters would be on a cell phone. Are you telling me they didn't have a real Freemason's code that they researched? And No, I don't think so. Well, they wouldn't. You can't. None of that stuff is public. You know, you, the free, you're not allowed to reveal the Freemason codes if you're a Freemason. Well, then how do you explain national treasure? <laughs> right. I saw a news headline that was like, Freemason membership is declining at a time when we need them more than ever. And I was like, what? How would they know that the membership is declining if it's a secret club? Has anyone been to the, the Masonic temple in Center City? In Center City, Philadelphia? Yeah. I've been past it. I did a tour of it once. It's strange. (laughs) We don't need to go on this tangent, but it's, yeah, a lot of really powerful people used to be in the Freemasons. It was like Ben Franklin. I mean, in Philly, right? Like Ben Mm -hmm. Franklin and all these people were hanging out at the Freemasons, hobnobbing, you know, cutting deals. Writing notes on the back of photographs and putting them underneath the upholstery. Yeah. I just said planning revolution, and actually that's not true, because I think that building was built after the revolution. But, well, if you if you ever do take a tour of the Masonic Temple, um, so, you know, the City Hall, I think it's, okay, it's definitely the largest masonry construction building in North America, potentially the world. Right. Mm-hmm. right and or the tallest one of those some some sort of metric it's number one and the masons when they started like they bought that site to build the temple with the intention of making it essentially this like 
big example of like masonry construction. And so they were really angry, right? Then when City Hall was built immediately adjacent to it and was like the biggest one. <laughs> what is the Masonic Temple used for now? Is it an office building or a museum? It's used by the Masons. To do what? Or I guess they wouldn't tell us. Yeah, to like induct members and stuff. I mean, so they take you through and they have all the, these different rooms are different little temple rooms, like ceremonial rooms. But it's weird. Each of them is set up exactly the same way, but then decorated with a different theme. It's bizarre. Hmm. They probably record a couple podcasts, <laughs> Com- do comedy shows. That's where we're all going to go. We're all going to go to the Freemason Temple, we'll get inducted, and we can uh, see a Lorand. <laughs> It'll only be slightly more culty than improv. Only slightly. Have you guys been to the Mormon Temple in Philly? No, we miss. I missed the window. Yes, I went. As you can see, you I went like when they let you in. Yeah, as you can see, <laughs> I like getting into temples. <laughs> <laughs> Did they make you put on booties? Yeah, they made me put on booties, and it was not at all what I expected. Um, because the the meeting hall, I think anyone can go into. You don't have to be Mormon, and it's across the street, and it's a smaller building, still very big, and that is where they they can congregate, right, and actually have a sermon and stuff. And then the big temple across the room, what I would describe the inside of it is as is it felt like a hotel. Like it was mm-hmm. like a new hotel. It wasn't like a cathedral. That's what I was expecting, right, was like to go in and have it be this open atrium or something where the whole congregation would come and sit together. But it's like a ser- it's a level and series of small rooms and there is a baptismal room which has has architectural features and like a fountain or a bath where they like baptize people. But the the rest of the building itself is all these like small chambers that to me, it felt like a new hotel, like a fancy right. one. Well, hmm. it's not that kind of podcast. It's not a conspiracy theory podcast, but like that's not where the cool stuff happens. It happens downstairs where they didn't let you go. Well, they that's took- where they have like the planet handshake room and everything. Well, they took us to the... They took us to the stone pool, which it was impressive and, in my opinion, strange. I don't, I don't want to say things that are too critical because it is someone's religion, but that someone is Mitt Romney. Yeah, <laughs> everything in there is made. All the art is made by Mormons. Do you know how Americans like to try and recreate artistic styles from hundreds of years ago? So it's these like paintings that look like they're from the 1800s, right? But definitely a Mormon in 2010 painted that painting of Jesus, right? (laughs) At a dry paint night (laughs) where they were all following the instructions and painting the same thing. Right, Mormonism, you don't do alcohol? Right. They don't do alcohol, they don't do caffeine, except they have a controlling stake in PepsiCo. Mm-hmm. Mm, I I spent my adolescence in Idaho. This is why I'm, I have so much information about this, and I have so much um... potatoes. <laughs> what? Idaho is famous for potatoes. So we were talking about Freemasons. We were talking about temples, which brings us back to the code. Uh, and and when they solve the code, it spells out the name of the DDS cruise ship, which is DD Sunrise. Or if you're an idiot like me, the DDS Unrise. <laughs> Well, it makes sense that it would be DDS something since the school is DDS. Right. Also, he just solved the code by going to like, a website 
That's how he does everything. <laughs> or he prepares PowerPoints. That's another skill he has. That is an important skill in the 21st century job market. I wrote that he's the R2-D2 of the group. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they plug him into the wall and he opens doors for them. <laughs> he does. Yeah, but supposedly he writes his own code cracking software, which I'm like, if you know how the code works already, that's not that hard. But anyway. So Don is kidnapped and on the boat for a while. And while he's there, a, a couple of the Pluto big shots come in and talk to him. Nothing really significant happens. Yes, yeah, Sir Anubis uh, has a bit of a, for all the Kingdom Hearts fans out there that none of you anyone here besides me is uh he talks like xehanort a lot he's like you are the light uh that lets our darkness get bigger or something very hokey folky like that kingdom hearts is the one where donald duck carries a big old key and uses it as a sword well donald duck has a, a magic wand that looks like his hat but his friend sora has a giant key that works like a sword okay but yeah i was just gonna say at this point in the show i still did not understand why the principal had been kidnapped. Um, so it has to do with the whole idea of Pluto. And I thought what they presented in this scene was very interesting, but obviously completely unexplored, which is like Don has this detective school. And so they're, they're getting detectives that are really good at solving murders, which they, they don't say all of this. Some of this is me filling in like what I understood they were trying to say. And so as a result, people needed more complicated murder plans, which is what Pluto does, is they find someone who like has a reason to want to murder someone. And there's like, here's step by step instructions on how to do it and not get caught because detectives are getting better and better. So there's a market for that. And so they're like, you're the flip side of our corn. You created us, blah, 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 blah. We don't want to get rid of you, but we do want to hypnotize you so that we can control you and thereby control the police. That makes sense. So something I noticed, they all have like mythological names. Maybe you've covered this already. But Pluto, Sir Anubis, and King Hades, those are all different mythologies. Yep. Is this a translation issue or is this textual? Well, they're all gods of the dead, I think. Okay. Well, that answers my question. Thank you. <laughs> From exactly three cultures. Yep. And the, the Pluto symbol... Uh, we only see it a couple times. They put it on everything. Every member of Pluto has it somewhere on their body. And I don't know if you noticed, but like the guards standing around and guarding things on the ship had the Pluto symbol on their hat. Mm, I didn't notice. <laughs> Which is like, you know, the mafia wearing t-shirts that say mafia. It's Team Rocket level branding. Yeah. Alexis doesn't know what Pokemon is. I don't. I don't know what Pokemon is. You should watch Detective Pikachu. Oh, that's what... I I said, oh, is this like Detective Pikachu? I know that's a thing. I didn't. I don't know anything about. Po but a Pokemon can only say one word. Snakes backwards. Is that right? It's not wrong. There's a lot of that that blends into things that are true. Is it? It's right though, right? The snakes thing. So there's a Pokemon whose English name is Ekans, which is snake spelled backwards, and a lot of Pokemon. The the no they're, they're like animal noise is basically them saying their name repeatedly. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah, I like my whisper down the lane version of that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that all Pokemon just say snake backwards. <laughs> so we talked about the moment where they get onto the ship, but this is where they do that big dramatic jump, and it was such. He basically like warns the kids. It looks like I'm gonna have to jump. Yeah, this is when I wrote none of them are wearing seatbelts. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love how nonplussed they drew Ryu in this scene. They're all freaking out, and he's just like, okay. I want a um, 
do not try this at home or like what's the what's the thing they put up on the car commercials it's like these are trained performers on a closed track yeah a disclaimer this is also the point at which i noticed that a certain character had just been missing for a, a good long while well she was with the other group they were all split up and with different groups so they they get onto the boat and they're gonna split up and try to search for dan i was shocked that they didn't do the same thing they did in the warehouse and just walk around shouting out his name. <laughs> they decided to be more subtle. But they had a let's split up gang moment. Always works out well. And then Q and Ryu split up further and the other three stay together. Oh yeah, Q had this wonderful moment where he like throws a coin to make one of the guards run away. And it's like, just like the, the easiest to fool guard, like, a, like the worst uh, stealth moment in a video game where it's like, press button to distract guard and then run. Very silly. Well, does the, the guard works for Pluto or the guard is a contracted guard who is just happens to be working for Pluto that day? Unknown. We had a Pluto hat, but we don't know is if we had a Pluto tattoo. one of the DD Sunrise guards? Who's just been like, under new management? Okay. Oh, look, five cents. I better go pick that up because none of these people pay me well. It's like a stealth sequence in a video game. If you make noise, they'll go investigate it. It doesn't matter what you do. Like you, In some games, it's throwing a rock. In Spider-Man, it's webbing random objects. And then they go over and they're like, oh, there's Spider-Man's webs on the ground. Where is he? But they never look up. This is a hero who climbs on things and they never look up. This doesn't happen in Animal Crossing. I'm not familiar with this mechanic. (laughs) I also know nothing about Animal Crossing. (laughs) What a coincidence. It's completely unrelated to anything that's happening. You invited us on this show. You knew what you were getting into. Yeah, but unfortunately, we didn't know what you were getting into because we hadn't seen these episodes. You know, we've actually had, we've watched some episodes of other shows for our web series where we just went in and it was too plot heavy, too many characters. (laughs) So then we basically just avoid the show and talk to each other about (laughs) what's going on in our lives. Yeah. Something that's interesting about this show is like we've had very few returning guests and everybody because most of the time it's like watching an episode of Murder, She Wrote. There's like a whole bunch of new suspects introduced and a murder plot that's set up. You don't need to know the ongoing plot. And everyone came on and they're like, oh, this was so easy to follow until today. Until today. Just our luck. It's just like the good wife all over again. (laughs) We're the last folks in the Philly comedy scene who are willing to come on your podcast, and we've been punished for it. <laughs> yep, that's true. That's all true. It is interesting, because I feel like The X-Files is an example I'm thinking of. Like, half of the episodes of that series, if you watch them with no context of the series, it's great. And half of the episodes of the series, if you watch them with no context of the series, it's terrible. It, it There's no in-between. Are there any television shows now in 2020 that aren't serialized in some way because it's become such a binge Mm. culture bob's burgers Mm. animated shows yeah yeah Mm. i mean sitcom anime for sure is just almost entirely serialized yeah that's another one of our guiding principles for our show is to try and find a series that's more episodic oh then you should watch pop team epic (laughs) they should not (laughs) this actually segues into a question i had did this air on television like what was how did this how did people consume this this is probably like a saturday morning or sunday morning kind of thing and for children right 
Yeah. They were probably aiming for like the 10 to 14 market. Typical shonen anime group. Like a Teen Titans or like a more mature superhero show audience. Not like the real younger cartoony stuff. Like Peppa Pig? There was a crossover with Peppa Pig. Uh, Peppa Pig was not guilty. (laughs) Peppa Pig is guilty as hell. I'll tell you that right now. We watched an episode of Peppa Pig. Fuck that pig. (laughs) (laughs) That's an episode of Black Mirror. Are Are you upset because Peppa Pig said spiders aren't our enemies? Is that what you're upset about? Do you know about that? No, she said well, that. Aus- this was an Australian sit- problem, right? Because in Britain, a spider is not going to hurt you. But in Australia, a spider isn't going to hurt you. Wait, is this a real thing you all are talking about? I mean, I know Peppa Pig, clearly. But there was some sort of controversy <laughs> around saying spiders aren't our enemies. There was like a friendly spider character. And they w- didn't air that episode in Australia because they don't want kids going near spiders that could kill them. Oh, so do they not have charlotte's web in australia they in the australian adaptation charlotte is the villain (laughs) (laughs) it says bacon and is uh coordinating with the farmer to try to ship the pig off so at some point oh so so ryu his whole deal is like he doesn't want to join pluto but he's supposed to so he he ends up finding anubis on his own and anubis tries to persuade him to come back and ryu uh, refuses so anubis sets off the lo- world's longest 10-minute self-destruct scene. <laughs> Do you think this is a woman in an office somewhere on the boat reading this, or is this pre-recorded? And if it is pre-recorded, how many different kinds of pre-recordings did she have to make? <laughs> right, it's the same voice, like at five minutes, at two minutes, at one minute, and then she counts down from 30. She's actually on the boat making the making the announcement. Mm-hmm. She just when It's it like the guards. She came with the boat. She does, She's just doing her job. And the other three... They went down into the boat, but they ended up right back on top of the boat. And they're surrounded by like a bunch of thugs and they're trying to fight them off. And then helicopter appears with reinforcements. It's other characters I could name. Nanami and all the members of class A who jump out of the helicopter and help them fight off people. So the school also has a helicopter. Yes. Yes. They once used exclusively for the purpose of delivering a key. Why does class Q have to get stuck in two vans? And Class A gets a helicopter. That doesn't seem fair to me. Well, they tried to build a longer ramp and to get a car <laughs> that could make the jump, but they ended up just going with the helicopter. We also got to see uh, What's-Her-Face, that incredibly important character that we all love. I forget her name. Toya. Toya, the mousy girl that turned into the... You said you listened to the episode with Ralph. Oh, yeah. The girl in this scene who uh, randomly beats up a guard, that's her, Toya. My concern about commenting on this character and... Perhaps the way that this character speaks is that perhaps this is a cultural thing that I don't have any reference for. Not really. What the fuck? She sounds crazy. (laughs) This is the one that sounds like a baby? Yes. Yeah. She's overly shy one moment and then busts out her Aikido moves the next moment uh, to take someone down. This is the third episode this girl has been. I was confused how old she was supposed to be because she sounds (laughs) very, very young. Well, so basically she was this very mousy girl who was like afraid to talk to people. And then in her next introduction, she looks completely different. And she's apparently doing this whole like, uh, oh, what's the movie? I've said it like a hundred times. Uh, she's, she's all, all that. that. Yeah, she the, she does a she's all that. And now she's like, she's not wearing her glasses and she's like changed her hair, but she's still the same person. So that's her whole thing. So 
On the bottom of the ship, Q runs into Katagiri outside of a locked door. She opens it right away, which is suspicious because how does she know how to open this door? Mm -hmm, And he mm -hmm, walks inside mm -hmm. where he sees like Don, Don, who's in a bad shape. Uh, Meanwhile, everybody else finds another locked door, uh, which they open. They think Don's going to be inside, but it can't be Don because he's there. And then this is where we learn that someone has been disguised as Katagiri and that's who the traitor was because she's actually locked up which i called i called it last episode (laughs) did you call it because she says that she didn't like them at first oh no so i called it last there's been a spy in dds for a few episodes this is like the not that much of a payoff moment for that story arc (laughs) right but they q explains how he knew it was her because she like is reaching in to grab a gun um, and, and he turns around and is like, I know you're the traitor and, and gets it away from her. And she's like, how did you know it was me? And I thought this was pro- maybe the most successful epi- moment of these two episodes for me because it's a direct reference to episode one of this show in a way that I found very satisfying, like paid off that we had watched all the way through. And we're like, oh, yeah, she totally met them before they were at the school and invited them to come. So when she explained that, I was like, yeah. And also in that episode, she was like one of the suspects and she wasn't she was disguise, the criminal. This yeah. time, the fake one was the criminal. And it's actually just some guy with like a straight up 80s anime mullet thing. So this is not a character you recognize from earlier in the series? Nope. They've never shown us this guy. Oh, are, you, are you joking? I assumed that it was just like a, a, a callback and we didn't know who the character was. But this is just... A mystery character. Yep. We knew someone was disguised and had infiltrated the school. We've seen them do lots of disguises. Like we've seen Pluto do this sort of thing before where they've disguised themselves. And they're, they're quote advanced masquerading technology. Well, they do a great job (laughs) compared to team rocket in Pokemon. Just for an example, they do a really (laughs) terrific job of disguising themselves. The other thing I like about this character, we've never seen him before, and he gets killed, like, the next moment. Someone <laughs> runs by, like, kills him from outside the door. We don't see who it is, and then runs away. Yes, we do. It's Mysteria. She stabs them in the back and, like, backs off. Oh, did we see enough of her to know it was her? Yes. Oh, we see her on the outside of the door. That's right. She's this the sexy brunette. Yes. Right? Okay, with the sunglasses. You're into femme fatale. Yep, that's my type. Can't you tell? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, and I think we mentioned the other people found Katagiri tied up, but they don't know where Don is. Mm-hmm. There's like so many little things that happen here. And I want to talk about all of them, but I also want to talk about none of them. So I don't know. <laughs> Should we just call it? <laughs> no, we got a little bit more before we can call it. We got a little bit more. Mike, what happens next? Okay, so Q has successfully located Don. But now he's locked in with him. He's like, is this a bad time to talk about something? Which it's like, that 10 minutes until self-destruct was like 20 minutes ago. So yes, this is specifically a bad time. But you're locked in and you're not going anywhere. So why not talk about the weird dad, you know, past detective mystery? And he's like, well, this photo that you put this puzzle on, like, this is the guy who saved me. How do you know him? Da-da-da-da-da. Long story short, it's his assistant who is Q's dad. And no one realized it. (laughs) until this moment (laughs) right the reason they figure out that this detective is q's dad is because he had once told don oh i had to save my son from being kidnapped so like it it just makes it makes no sense yeah and like don hasn't put it together up to this point q hasn't put it together up to this point we don't know why q doesn't know about his father 
Like, why didn't why didn't his mom tell him? They also have the same last name. Yeah, they also have the same last name. He also has been carrying around this notebook that was his keepsake of the detective that has his own last name on it in the same kanji. I checked. It's the same. <laughs> the kanji is the same, people. Get your act together. Draw the connection. Again, I would say maybe this detective school isn't that good of a detective school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the reason I say that, Noah, is because they could have been playing a game where because Q has the book and it has the kanji written on it, uh, but like maybe he's it's pronounced the same way, but he's been using an alias with different kanji that are pronounced the same. But it's not that's not the case. It's the same kanji that are in his last name. It's a good school when they want it to be. I mean, they can solve every (laughs) locked room mystery in Japan, but they can't, you know. (laughs) <laughs> solve the case of the dad missing from your life so i missed 43 episodes of this show <laughs> so, so don didn't realize that q was his assistant's child then how did q end up at this school he uh kind of passed the entrance exam yeah basically katagiri uh the real katagiri sort of recruited him and megu and kinta after they helped solve a mystery in the first episode Oh, so this is some Disney Marvel nonsense where mm-hmm. skill is hereditary. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Q's thing also is like, he's kind of bad at everything, but also really good at being a detective for no explicable reason. Yeah. But basically, the, the setup is like he was saved by this detective when he was a kid. So he like idolizes this detective. And so he wants to be a detective. Like that's the thingy. And he's sponsored by Adidas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> small detail that Don had realized Katagiri had been replaced and allowed himself to be kidnapped because he wanted to find her. Mm. That doesn't really matter. <laughs> and now now they have to be rescued. So there's like a minute left mm-hmm. and Q is shouting and pounding on the door and Ryu hears him in what I think is a callback to their scene at breakfast where the mom was like, when you know someone and you trust them, you can hear their thoughts. Yeah, my note right here is all caps boyfriend rescue time. Um. They, they unlock the door with like 60 seconds left, but then the door lock kind of disengages halfway. They shoot it a bunch of times, and ultimately <laughs> they shoot the sprinklers, which short circuits it, and it opens. There are now 30 seconds left. Which isn't enough time for if the helicopter had already left to get clear, probably. But they this is 30 seconds they run from what I assume is like the bottom deck mm-hmm. all the way up to the top to the to the helicopter and get away safely. And Sir Anubis goes down with the ship. This is a moment where I took a note because one of the characters, there's a character in the helicopter, I don't know who it was, and then one of the characters getting on, maybe the the girl who has a baby voice. There's two seconds left and they take the time to high five (laughs) before she gets on the helicopter. I think it was two of the nondescript, not particularly important members of Class A, whose names I don't remember. But I think it's the Puzzle King and the Magician King. Yeah, and I wrote, no time for high fives. <laughs> get on the helicopter. The ship's about to explode. But And and they just happen to get away. And you know, that's not quite it. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a little scene that's almost, that's just like showing their new day in the life. So they're just going to school and they're all using their skills to work together to solve mysteries. So that happens. And there's the quick recap of all the interesting episodes that we missed. <laughs> right, after the credits. Did you both catch what happened after the credits? Yeah. Yes. Oh, we're not after the credits yet? I'm sorry. Now we're after the credits. Yeah, the recap was funny because it said, oh, peeping in the women's bathroom and like being a molester or something. <laughs> Which was Ralph's episode, right? <laughs> yeah. They were recapping all the creepy things Kinta had done as a joke. 
instead of recapping like the actual detective moments and then they have this weird awkward moment where they're like have you seen the paper someone's been named as don's successor oops we spilled coffee on it which to me is like oh no we didn't get picked up for another season the end also they maybe didn't want to contradict the manga and they didn't know where it was going to go they could have just not done that then oh yeah see i assumed it was a cliffhanger it was supposed to be like come back next season find out we don't know we don't know if it was like canceled or if they knew this was their ending but it definitely ends before the manga ends so they they ended before the story ended now this is mostly irrelevant but there was also like a 12 slash 13 12 13 ish episode live action series based on this manga oh live action that excites me i would like to see what that is like i haven't located it but i'll probably keep looking um it's a lot like this Probably. We've, we have found that Japanese live action series based on manga are very similar to anime. Are they children in the live action series or are they adults playing children? I think I saw the, the actor say. who played Q and I, I would guess he's probably 16 or so. That's what we call an in-betweeny. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not a child, right. not an adult. <laughs> yeah, you mean a tween? I'm a teen librarian. I'm being facetious. Oh. <laughs> in the live action, do they still have helicopters and... <laughs> Massive car jumps and explosions. We don't know. We Mostly can't. We can't find it. Exists. Yeah, it probably wasn't popular enough to hit Blu-ray. Unfortunately, sounds like a job for a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> Get my pencil and write this down. Oh man, have you? Did you ever watch the librarians on TNT? That's with a, that's with Noah Wiley, right? Uh, I don't Noah. Oh my gosh. No, boo. You would love uh, the anime Read or Die, which is about. It's essentially about librarians who are cops. Um, <laughs> it's like like the the Library of Britain is like the FBI, uh, and one of their agents has like the power to turn paper into and like she basically does like magic instant origami to like turn paper, pieces of paper into swords that work like swords or like wings that work like wings. It's very off the wall. I don't know if you would actually like it, but I just wanted to mention it. <laughs> it Noah Wiley is associated. I just looked it up on Wikipedia. He might have been in the original TV movie and then not recurring, not as much on the cast when they made it a regular series. Yeah, it says he's an executive producer. Okay, well, somehow we have made it to the end of talking about these episodes. We've made it to the end of Detective Academy Q. We've made it to nearly the end of the year 2020. But, you know, that's a discussion for another day. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alexis, you watched these twice. Nate, I don't know if you went back and watched them or not. You, you, I did. I watched them two times. That's above and beyond. And I have to do it again because I have to edit my show. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're trying to take the record for most episodes of anime watched in association with our podcast away from Ross, who has what who watched five episodes. Oh, but if you watch two episodes three times, that's six episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Was it painful? Was it delightful? Um, was Did you find yourself making lots of jokes about it? Or were you mostly chatting about other things? What has this experience been like? Um, honestly, I remember feeling overwhelmed. <laughs> there were a lot of characters. I didn't know their backstories. The second time around, I was able to figure out that Q was the important character to focus on but there were enough features of other characters that when Nate and I watched it together 
I didn't really understand who was important and who wasn't. It was confusing. We classically have had episodes where people watch the whole thing and we're like, wait, that guy was the protagonist? So I went into it thinking that the mystery element would be really important, such that like every detail would be very important, when in fact the episodes we watched, there was one clue to one mystery yeah. per episode. So I think we overanalyzed on our initial watch with little payoff. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big lack of payoff in this episode in these episodes overall. It's it's not just your watching to it and it doesn't this is not the be- this is not the best show in the world, but it is these are not also not the best episodes of this show. I thought they were entertaining, but like not good. Right. There wasn't there wasn't even enough payoff for like the people who had been there the whole time to feel like oh closure certainly not a billion yen worth of payoff <laughs> would you go back and watch other episodes to to try it out or are you done i'm finished with this particular series <laughs> certainly and probably just the concept of mystery anime as a whole but it has not discouraged me from watching further animated Japanese product. (laughs) Yeah. So it hasn't discouraged me from the medium. It has discouraged me from the genre. Well, maybe we'll talk you into coming onto something that I (laughs) suspect you might like, but it also sounds like you're not a fan of murder mysteries in general. So, so it might not be a good, might not uh, work after all. Well, I'm not smart, Noah. I'm not smart. Is it that thing where there's a Venn diagram and it's like smart, funny, and whatever the third thing is, and it's like pick two. You can only be two. Smoking hot. <laughs> <laughs> and I only got. I didn't get any of them. I didn't get any of the three. Oh wow! Call up Mister Van and and take that diagram right back to the store. Um, I like murder mysteries. When Nate and I watched Murder She Wrote, I identified the critical prop that was going to be key to the upcoming murder, which is usually very easy in, especially in murder she wrote type shows because they'll be in a room and it's full of paintings and objects and books. And then there's just for no reason, they'll just talk about one thing (laughs) in a very um, out of context way and then set it back down. And you're like, Oh yeah, it's really important that teacup that's going to come into play later. Keep that in mind. I don't think I would watch this TV show again, though, either. Yeah. So look. They can't look. It's a podcast. They can only hear. <laughs> Thank you for getting the audience's attention, Nate, because I do want to invite them to email us. Um, we we all have expressed uh, at least three different opinions. So if you have another opinion and you're listening to this. You can send that into dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. We will share your opinion on the air, um, unless maybe it's about Mormons. <laughs> if you are a Mormon and you know you've been studying classical painting styles, please pick a character or a pair of characters from this show and paint them classically and send it to us, and I will describe it on the air. Now, it sounds like there's still a lot of things you two don't know about, so... <laughs> Where can people find your show? Is there anything else you need, you want to tell them about that the two of you are up to? I feel like we're, we're both at a fairly dark mental place. <laughs> Important to share, yes. <laughs> yeah, I concur. Such that this is the product. 
is the semi-bi-weekly <laughs> YouTube show that approximately 20 people watch. Mainly our parents. <laughs> My parents don't know I'm on a podcast. My mom said she would listen to the episodes we recorded that were about a book, but then I forgot to tell her about them, so she hasn't li- she hasn't listened. <laughs> well, anyone who's interested can find the Alexis and Nate Don't Know web series on YouTube. Just search for it within YouTube. Yeah, I don't have a bit.ly or anything. There's no fancy there's no fancy link. No, there's a lot of stuff people might recognize like that you've covered or or is there like should they start at the beginning? Is there one that you'd recommend that they look for? They could watch the murder she wrote one. I made a list of best to worst Alexis to Nate <laughs> you episodes. Wrote your own show. <laughs> in my in my notes app. And Alexis is correct. Murder she wrote is certainly the best episode. Followed by children's television, in which we watch Peppa Pig. Um Oh. Alexis has set her apartment on fire. Or maybe she hasn't. Okay, it's d- it's done. I think I think Justin is heating up the oven (laughs) which is both a literal and metaphorical thing (laughs) i don't feel like i can rate our show because then i would feel like i was rating our guests and i appreciate everyone's time oh we'll know how we rank on that scale depending on how long it takes for us to be re-invited to appear on the show Nate, I'll either invite you back on when we're doing something that's not so much a murder mystery or one that's like so good that you can then come in and be like, all right, I've seen the best this has to offer. And now I'm done with it forever. So I'm never coming back. I understand. I understand. <laughs> really, it's up to you uh, and me. It's a, it's a team effort. So, but I do want to thank you both. You know, you you watched these more than once, which... Again, like if if I had known you were going to watch it more than once, I might have given you different episodes. Um, but thanks so much for for being fu- being funny people and being funny people with us. Uh, in our next episode, for those of you that are interested in that, uh, we're going to be looking back at the whole series of Detective Academy Q. Some sharing favorite episodes, favorite moments, recording the podcast, a little peek at what's ahead for us, things like that. Um, and then the following week, we've got something really exciting planned. We're going to have our youngest ever mystery guests like bringing on actual kids to talk about the new Lupin the Third movie. Rather than covering something from 17 years ago, we'll be covering a movie that's just been released in the U.S. like last month. So that's a big that's a big change for us. So thank you so much for listening. Come back for that. If you want to support the podcast, the number one thing you could do if you wherever you are listening to this podcast is to subscribe, follow, like it on Apple Podcasts in particular. You can give us a star rating to say how much you liked it. You can write a comment to say, hey, you should also listen to this podcast. And and if you are on a boat and there's a 60 second countdown, I would say get off of the boat first. But if you're not on a boat, it just takes you know less than the amount of time it would take to escape from a boat that's about to self-destruct. You can also keep in touch with us on Twitter at Dying Message Pod, Dying Message Podcast on Facebook, and send us that email to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. And I think we're pretty much all ready to, well, we've got to order dinner. <laughs> this is very personal for me to say we're about to order dinner, which makes me think of food, which reminds me there's something important we have to do before Nate and Alexis burn their copies of this thing they watched in digital form. <laughs> burn it to CD? Yeah, we're going to burn it to CD and then mail it to you. I was going to listen to it in my minivan. I'll watch it on my VCD player. 
Um, when I was in high school, I, I had some content like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and some comic books that I had in digital format. I hope no one sues me for telling this story. And I like, like burned them on DVDs as a way of keeping them all so they weren't on my computer. And one of my friends was like, oh, can you send me some of that? And so I was going to send her a DVD, but I never got my act together and sent her a burned DVD. You're going to prison for that. It's the Mormons. <laughs> no, no, my goodness. No, you were almost there. You were almost there. You forgot for real this time, the mystery. I wanted to make another joke, which... Honestly, when I tell long stories, that's the number one thing that I edit out of the podcast is me talking uninterrupted. <laughs> that's what gets edited out of our show as well. Is me me talking uninterrupted. Is us talking about you uninterrupted. Oh, man. It, you told us some of the rules of your podcast. Is there a rule that when one of you is talking about me, the other one isn't allowed to interrupt until you're done? Yes. We have certainly edited out personal stories relating to people who may wa- actually watch the show. Well, it's great to have something that you edit because you you can be more free to tell those things and then edit them out rather than like a live, like a live Facebook show. Because we're live on the air right now. And who's most likely to be listening to radio? Mormons. We have a rule that if you do this, it means don't don't put it in. (laughs) That's smart. People listening to the podcast won't know what I'm doing, but I'm jerking, jerkily waving my hands in front of my face. So there is a thing that I, that I have to ask you about before you go, because we don't want to be episodes 44 and 45 of Detective Academy Q and leave people unsatisfied. So solve this mystery for us. What is the mystery of the salad dressing dressing? It was it was a mystery that I frantically came up with two hours ago when we started recording. <laughs> I don't know how to frame it as a mystery anymore. What was I thinking? I know. I, I was surprised when you suggested it. And I tried to warn everyone that it wasn't a real mystery, but here we are. So you needed a ranch dressing costume, and you didn't know how you could make one? That's the correct sound, Noah. (laughs) (laughs) That's correct. Alexis and I, along with our friend Ryan Rebel, who you should absolutely invite on the show because he's one of the smarter people just around, um did a stage performance of something called Ranchland, which is about a ranch dressing theme park. And um, I would love it if Alexis could contribute to the story, but her apartment is apparently on fire and she had to go <laughs> deal with it. Um, Alexis played a sentient glob of ranch dressing. The mystery is how do you create a costume that is a sentient blob of ranch dressing? The answer is you go out to Cherry Hill, you go to Joanne's, you get a lot of foam rubber and some razor blades, and you cut it up like that. For the for the listeners, I'm waving my hands around in a blobby <laughs> motion. Um, you affix it to one's head. You put on a body stocking. You super glue a lot of socks full of plastic bags to it, and then you pour ranch dressing on the person right before they're going to go out on stage. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my gosh i am back and i have a real mystery <laughs> yes <laughs> thank goodness <laughs> the apartment smells like you know something burning in the oven the oven is off and justin is not here why oh why oh was the God. fire alarm going off he burned up he's all gone has justin been there yeah he's been here but 
you know, he's outside or something. But the oven is off. Is something on a lamp or a light bulb? Nothing I see. Are you in an apartment? Could it be a people above or below I was you? wondering if it's... I am in a three-unit building, if it's someone else. But typically what happens is, like, I can hear the fire alarms in other people's apartments. And I can't hear anything going off anywhere else. Hmm. We have an active mystery. Yeah, we have an active mystery. This is a first. Yeah. And it smells like burning? Yeah, and it smells like burning. Are there particles in the air? Not that, that I you can, see? can notice. Are there other hints that you're getting from the scent like you know burnt popcorn smells different from burnt caramel yeah to me i mean it smells like when you're when you turn the oven on and maybe something had dripped previously and is now burning off the only thing i can think is like justin did turn the oven on and then we all heard it when the fire alarm went off the first time and he turned it off and left and so it's somehow was reactivated but i don't know that's the mystery you could have something in your heating unit. A mouse, perhaps. There's a dead mouse. There's a mouse died under my kitchen floor, and it's been terrible. We can't get it out, and it smells bad. <laughs> uh, but for people listening to the podcast, this was not a plant. This was not some sort of a thing that we talked about ahead of time to have some big, exciting end you know, <laughs> finale for the series end. It was just... it you know, spontaneous happened. We have talked before about how a bunch of mysteries are smells. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, where did it, where's it coming from? Yeah. Oh, I heard Justin come back in. So I'll get to the bottom of this. Are you going to do it now? Oh, I thought, I thought we might close, but you want me to go find out? <laughs> oh, you're going to be like the show and leave us on a cliffhanger? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you want me to go ask or are we? <laughs> if, if you're able to like go ask real quick and come tell okay, us. Okay, I'll go ask. <laughs> I'm primarily okay. concerned that he doesn't have the answer and then I'll be worried about you all night. Mm-hmm, Here's mm-hmm. what I think I might do. Um, I'm going to end the, this podcast episode right now and come back next week. We will tell, we will bring in some of this audio and find out what Alexis finds out about the, oh, what's the name of this mystery? The mystery of the phantom burning smell? The, the mystery of Justin's beeping. Justin Bieber. The mystery of the alarming alarm. Ooh, that one's good. It's like a Lemony Snicket book. <laughs> Except Lemony Snicket is a little more clever to not just use the same word twice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a rude read, Noah. <laughs> and that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Episode 26, in which we finish an anime and start a new adventure. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guests, Alexis Howland and Nate Biagiotti. Coming up, are we better people for having watched all of Detective Academy Q? What's in the future for our podcast? Who set off Alexis's smoke alarm? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note, The Dying Message. I'm sorry about blathering on about the Freemasons, which led to the Mormons, which was a (laughs) 10-minute discussion. That's okay. Probably won't make it into the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Don't put anything in there of me insulting Mormons because, you know, they're powerful. Mm -hmm. Nate, can I put things in there of you insulting Mormons? 
I, I, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't expect them to listen to it, but you never know someday. Like, yeah, it could fall. It could, it could fall on President Mitt Romney Jr.'s desk. His his son's name's not Mitt. His son's name is probably like Jeremy with like a J-A-R-E-M-Y-I. Okay, but if you don't want me to put any of this in, you have to stop saying funny things about Mormons. (laughs) I'll stop riffing about the Mormonism. Okay, sorry. Oh, one of Mitt Romney's sons is named Tag. T-A-double-G. What came first, Mitt Romney's son or the movie Tag? Well, is there a movie called Tag? <laughs> Definitely Mitt Romney's yeah, son. Yeah, Tag. Yeah, Mitt Romney's son. No one saw the movie Tag. All right. So how about those minivans full of kids? So we, <laughs> we said the- stop talking about Mormonism. 